Have you ever thought about that fourth chorus? When we see Jesus coming in His glory. Have you ever thought about the time you go outside and you just hear a noise, you just wonder what that was, and you look up, and the sky is full of angels. You can't even see clouds because there's so many angels. And there He is. The one you love, the one you've talked about, the one you followed, your Savior, your Master, coming in the clouds. Bible teaches it's going to happen sometime. What a glorious, glorious thing that will be. And again, as we sing these songs, it will be great encouragement to each of us. If you've got your Bible, turn with us to the Old Testament book of Job. Old Testament book of Job in chapter 1 is where we're going to park it this, this evening and talk about some things. Welcome our guests. So glad to have each of you with us this evening. It's again just been a kind of a cold day, but it's up in the 20s, and we feel like it's time to get the short sleeve shirts now because it's just 20 degrees. We haven't seen that all week, but it is good. It is good. And every time we're together in the house of God with one another and Bibles open, it is a good thing. When we intersect good and honest hearts with the Word of God, great things come about. And we believe that so much. And again, we don't say this probably as much as we should say this, but Jason and I just love sitting down and talking the Bible with other people. And so anytime you have a question, something you've been reading you just don't, think, you just don't get, something you've heard in one of the sermons, you want some help, just, just reach out to us. We'll be happy to sit down with you. One of the best avenues we have to reach the world is through people you know, family members, co-workers, neighbors. And so anytime you think, you know, I've got somebody that I don't know where to begin, but could you come and the two of us sit down and talk to my friend? We would love to do that. Just let us know. We'll try to help you in any way. There's an old poem that goes this way. It says, I walked a mile with pleasure. She chatted all the way. But she left me none the better for all she had to say. I walked a mile with sorrow and never a word said she. But all the things I learned when sorrow walked with me. Overcoming obstacles, challenges, difficulties. Being the underdog, the David fighting the Goliath. These are the things that make great stories, great movies. We think about the Rocky, the boxing movie, where he fights the champion, Apollo Creed. And we think about great other stories like that idea. And, and as we focus upon our theme this year, bringing the best, one of the things we want to talk about is how do we bring the best in the worst of times? Sometimes, because of the situation, we allow the situation to dictate how our response is going to be. So because things are not going well in my life right now, I won't give God my best. And that is something I think we do not see in the Scriptures. It slows our progress, our growth stops, we kind of take a step backward, just because things are not going as well as they should. And when we think about this theme, giving God our best, we want to look at it through the eyes of Job, somebody who really went through some hard obstacles, yet he learned to give God his best. I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm one of these people that, lead, that read comments. You know, before I buy a product online, I'll read what people say about that. And sometimes when somebody posts something, I like to read the comments, at least for a while. Sometimes there's just endless comments. But sometimes you learn lots of things about those comments. Lately, IU basketball hasn't been very well. Being a Purdue fan, it just makes me real happy. But I like IU. Next to Purdue, I like IU. 
And I've been noticing a common thread in a lot of the comments that a lot of people are saying about the team this year. They're saying they're playing without any heart. And whether it's this player or this player or this or that, there's lots of people reacting to a lot of different things, but the main thing I see through all these comments is they simply are not playing with their heart. And when I hear that, what comes to my mind is they're simply not giving their best. And that's the concept we want to understand, that when we think about the best, it is a spirit, it is an attitude, it is something that, that is more than worship. It, it's really just my life, that I always bring God the glory that he deserves in all things. And that's so important for us to do. One of the things we notice in the Old Testament is this idea of bringing the first, the first of the fruits. And we'll be looking at that in other lessons and even some studies coming down the road here. But this is a common concept in the book of Proverbs. Honor the Lord from your wealth and from the first of all your produce. Two times in the book of Exodus, almost the same words. You shall bring the choice first fruits of your soil to the house of the Lord your God. Bring the first is the idea of bringing the best. But what happens when it's been a hard season? What's happened when the frost has killed the blooms? What happens when the drought withers the fruit? What happens when storms and hail comes and destroys the crop? How do I bring God the best in the worst of circumstances and situations? And so this evening, let's go to the book of Job, and let's talk about Job for just a little bit. We're going to be in chapter 1 this evening. A lot of us have studied and understand the book of Job. It's a long book in our Bible. It begins a section, what we call the poetry section. We've got Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes. Those are what we call the poetic section of our Bible. But actually, it's probably one of the oldest books of the Bible. It belongs back in the time period of Genesis. It goes back where time when God was talking directly to the patriarchs, such as Job. And, and what we see is there's no reference to the law, the temple, the tabernacle, such major milestones in the Old Testament we don't find talked about in the book of Job. So from that standpoint, it seems to be a very, very early book. And most of us understand what it's about. This man, Job, was just smacked by life. God tells Satan, have you considered my servant Job? And then what Satan does is he pulls the rug out. He attacks Job in multiple, multiple fashions. He lost his income, his family, his health. Even his wife basically gave up on her faith. But through this, we see a great lesson about giving God the best, even in the worst of times. Let's begin now in chapter 1 and just read the section here, verses 13 through 19. And then we'll... Notice how the chapter ends. It says, Now on the day when the sons and his daughters were eating and drinking wine in the oldest brother's house, a messenger came to Job and said, The oxen were plowing and the donkeys were feeding beside them, and the Sabians attacked and took them. They also slew the servants with the, with the edge of the sword, and I alone escaped to tell you. Stop there. You were robbed. And not only were you robbed, they killed some of your people. But it doesn't end there. Look at the next verse, verse 16. While he was still speaking, I'm not done with bad news, but here comes number two. Another also came and said, the fire of God fell from heaven. 
burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them. And I alone have escaped to tell you. I mean, when we think about the fire of God, are we talking about a volcano? We don't know what is meant by that. But all your sheep are gone. More of your servants are dead. But then we get to verse 17. Number two is not done talking. While he was still speaking, yet another came. The Chaldeans formed three bands and made a raid on the camels and took them and slew the servants with the edge of the sword. I alone have escaped to tell you. Not only were you robbed once, you were robbed again, and they killed more of your people. And number three is not done talking, and here comes number four. Verse 18. While he was still speaking, another also came and said, Your sons and your daughters were eating and drinking wine in the oldest brother's house. And behold, a great wind came from across the wilderness, struck the four corners of the house. It fell on the young people, and they died, and I alone have escaped to tell you. You have no oxen, you have no sheep, you have no servants, you have no kids. And that's how this book begins. And I've talked to a lot of people before who said, I'm living like Job. I know nobody who's ever lived like this, to have these things happen to them. And on this side of the cross, we have Jesus, who Job didn't understand and have at that time, to appreciate those things. But I want you to notice how the very next verse comes about. In verse 20, the Bible says, Job arose. That's important to understand. He didn't stay in bed with the covers over his head. He didn't say, my life is over. I get up. Sometimes you don't feel like getting up, but I get up. I'm not going to let this defeat me. Secondly, he tore his robe and he shaved his head. Those are signs of extreme grief. That's what they would do back in those days. They would just rip their robes, shave off all their head, hair, just to let people know that I am in deep, deep sorrow. And then the text tells us he fell to the ground. Humble, broken, reaching God. But then this verse ends, and worshiped God. He worshiped God after all those funerals. He worshiped God when he was going to wonder, how am I going to pay my bills because all my livelihood is gone? He worshiped God when everything seemed to be taken away from him. He worshiped God after he was robbed multiple times. He was worshiping God when things were so hard in his life. Look at the next verse, if you will, verse 21. He said, naked I came from my mother's womb, naked I shall return there. The Lord gave, the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. The idea through all this, through his tears, through all his questions, through all the fears, Job still held his integrity to who God is. The writer Anderson says his actions were deliberate and they were dignified. And what we find as we read verse 22, it says, through all this, Job did not sin, nor did he blame God. Why was I robbed? God. Nope, not going there. Why did my kids die? God. Not going there. Why did I lose everything I owned? God. Didn't go there. Job didn't do that. And this evening, what I want us to look as we walk through this first chapter here, I want us to notice some things that will help us. Because I think too many times when something bad happens in our life, we just use that as a pass. I can't come to worship because something bad's happened in my life. 
I don't feel like praying now because something bad's happened in my life. I can't walk with God right now because something bad's happened in my life. And as long as something bad happens, we stop. Here's a man who had the worst things happen to him, but he kept going. Can you imagine? Can you imagine this evening as I get up to make announcements? I say, brethren, we hate to say this, but one among us has robbed this morning while we are at services. That same brother or sister, while they were with us this morning, got the phone call. All their children died this morning. But where are they tonight? They're in the house of God, worshiping. Now you think about that. Could I do that? Would I do that? Can I bring God the best in the worst of times? Now, I want you to know some things that Job saw. And this will help us. First of all, Job remembered that naked I came. Now, now. We understand that. That's just a fact of life. You only come with a name. Your name's given to you by someone else. And we don't come with papers. We don't come with money. We don't even come with diapers. We come with nothing. And I think that's what, kind of what Job was telling me about. Job was trying to say, I came with nothing. Guess what? I still have it. I still have me. That's all I came. I didn't come married. I didn't come with kids. I didn't come with sheep. I didn't come with a farm. I came with just me, and guess what? There is still just me. Nothing has changed. Nothing has changed. And then he says, he reflected, naked I go. All these things that I lost, they were part of my life, but I don't take them with me. I don't take sheep to the next world. I don't take my farm to heaven. I don't even take my children with me. Each person stands alone with God. Once again, who am I? I still have that. That hasn't changed in the least upon who I am. He also understood that he has received blessings from God. God has given. And what a joy that's been. He understands that God is a giver of all good things. He understands that God is generous. He understood that God is still God even in those difficult, difficult times. And then he recognized the right of God, and God has the right to take. And again, through those reflections, I believe it helped Job to understand. Do we allow the hardships in our lives to cripple us and to be an excuse? Job did not blame God. Job did not sin through all this. Job worshiped God. Even though he hurt, God was still God. That has not changed. Even though he hurt, God would be the one he would see one day. That has not changed. Even though he hurt, the troubles will end someday. That's some things he understood. Now, having said that, I want to share with you just three simple lessons for you tonight. Number one. A fickle faith, say that four times real fast, a fickle faith that only follows God in the sunshine will not endure nor bring the best when there are storms. When we allow our faith just to be real fickle, then we will collapse. Turn your Bible with me to the book of Matthew, if you will, Matthew chapter 14. And what we see here with Peter walking on the water is a good illustration of what we're talking about. Matthew 14, we're going to look at verse 29. And verse 30, remember the story, the Lord had 
been walking on the water. The disciples are afraid at first. Verse 28, Peter said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. The Lord, and, and the Lord said, verse 29, come. Peter got out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. Verse 30, but seeing the wind, he became frightened and began to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. The same thing happens to you and me when we look at the troubles, the trials, and challenges of our life. We begin to sink. We look at the storms. And if we say, I can't give God the best right now because of the storm I am in, how long are we going to wait? What if that storm lasts months? What if that storm lasts years? What if that storm lasts decades? Are we content to say, I cannot and will not give God my best because of these things? The Lord won't find me praying because I'm going through a storm. The Lord won't find me in this house worshiping because I'm going through this storm. The Lord won't find me busy in this kingdom because I'm going through this storm. Why do we have that? Because we're looking at the wind and the waves and we forget Jesus. In the book of John, chapter 16, the Lord tells us this. He says, these things I've spoken to you so that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation. That's it. Until we're out of this world, the tribulation will not stop. And we need to see that. Again, in your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Ephesians, if you will. Ephesians chapter 6. And let's just pull out two or three verses here. As again, the Apostle Paul is encouraging brethren just like you, just like me. Ephesians chapter 6, and we begin verse 10. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Here the apostle says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Verse 14, Stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Then in verse 18, he says, With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. And with this in view, be on the alert with all the perseverance and petition for all the saints. God is still there. God has not changed. Why do I let the troubles of the world stop me from honoring my God and giving him my best? The book of James as James talks about how blessed is the man who goes through trials, he says in verse 3, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. There's a purpose in those things, and they will help us as we think about what God wants us to do. Secondly, a true faith keeps us from moving away from our primary point, and our primary point is Jesus Christ. As pain settles in, questions arise, there is what the Lord wants us to know. In Hebrews 11, verse 1, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. How can we be so assured? It's by faith the Bible teaches that. It's by faith we do these things. In 2 Corinthians 5, verse 7, We walk by faith and not by sight. The apostle would say in 2 Timothy chapter 1, For this reason I also suffer these things, but I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed. I know that. The book of 1 Corinthians, the apostle says, Be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. He didn't say always abounding in the sunshine. 
Always abounding when you feel good. Always abounding when life is well. Always abounding. I had Jake write down some words to, for me from an old VBS song. Some of you remember this. It's entitled, I Shall Not Be Moved. 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 Just like a tree that's planted by the water, I shall not be moved. That's what we're seeing with Job. I mean, what do you say to somebody who's lost everything? I'm getting down to the church house to worship God. That's something he did not lose. He did not lose his faith. He did not lose his confidence in God. He did not lose what he understood God to be. Now, we need to understand that Job was this way, not because of these trials. Long before this, he was this way. In, in chapter 1, verse 1, as the book begins, and also verse 8, this is repeated. We see Job is described as a man who's blameless. He's honest. He's a man of integrity. He's a man who's doing what God wants him to do. He's described as a man who's upright, a man who is right with God, a man who's righteous with God. He's fearing God, and he's turning away from evil. And so Job was this way because that is the way he was. And then finally, our faith, our faith is built upon the proper outlook of life. And so when we think about Job, seeing the idea that naked I came, naked I go, that concept, we need to understand some things looking back, where did we come from? In your Bibles, go back with me to the book of Ephesians, if you will. Chapter 2 now. Book of Ephesians, chapter 2, look at verse 1. We're here, the, the apostle reminds us, you were dead in your trespasses and sins, he says. In verse 12 of this chapter, remember that you were at times separate from Christ, excluded from the, the commonwealth of Israel, strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Again, he, he would remind us in chapter uh, 4 of these same principles about how they were with God, how different they were with God before these things. Remember. Remember what's like before you became a Christian. Oh, you had the world by the tail. You were doing whatever you want to do. No one was your boss. I'll go when I want to go, answer to nobody. I'll drink what I want to drink, say what I want to say. I am my own boss, lost in my sins and hell bound. That's where we were. Remember. And, and, and as we reflect upon that, it helps us to grab this idea and understanding where I've come from and that God is still there. And God has not changed. And God is the one who's been patient with me. God is the one who's forgiven me. God is the one who's been gracious to me. And all those things remind us of how important this is. Don't forget where you were. Peter would remind his brethren of those very things. Not to forget where you came from. But secondly, look ahead. Where are you going? Where we're going is to the presence of God. Where we're going is to heaven. And so our faith is built upon this proper aspect, the outlook here, and the proper understanding of these things. Satan wants you to look at today and only today. On Satan's calendar, there's one date, and that's today. He doesn't look at tomorrow. He doesn't look at future. He doesn't look at consequences. We look differently. We look at those things. And we look ahead. And we understand, I want to be with Jesus. 
I want to be out of this crazy world. I want to be where it's safe. I want to be with my Lord. I want to see his face. All of those come about from the proper understanding of who I am and where I'm going. And then looking within. Every one of us has been blessed. Number one, if you're a Christian, right there is your greatest blessing. God has forgiven you. Why? It's not because we're cute. It's not because we're so great. God has forgiven you because he loves you. Because he wants you in heaven. And then from that, we look upward and we understand God has the right. The authority of God to remember, to reflect, and to recognize. And so when we consider this idea of bringing the best, even in the worst of times, what a great example that Job is to us. How easy it is just to say, well, I cannot worship because I'm going through this right now. I cannot pray because I'm going through this right now. I cannot do what God wants me to do because I'm going through this right now. And standing right in front of us is Job. Can you imagine that's a judgment? We don't know how it's going to be. Generational, by year, by country, alphabetical. But can you imagine right in front of you, you're going to be judged next, but right in front of you is Job. You think, oh boy. You know, when I was in college, we used to, we used to look, before we turned in our papers, we, we had work on our essays, we always noticed who put the paper in before us. And if somebody that we knew was getting straight A's, we wouldn't put our paper next, because we thought, we had no hope. We waited until we saw somebody we thought was really dumb, then we put our paper in, and after they read that, they'll read ours and say, look how brilliant this is. Well, that doesn't work. Let me just tell you, that never works. But can you imagine? Can you imagine being right there with Job and God saying, what's your excuse? What did you lose? What was so hard in your life? What was so difficult that you couldn't follow me? You couldn't trust me? You couldn't stay with me? What is it? And I think every one of us is just hang our heads in shame thinking, Lord, I don't know. I just don't know. And so as we end this, I love that little phrase, through this. Through all of this, no matter how hard it was, there was Job. And Job was one who worshipped God. Now the rest of the book is all about all kinds of questions and his friends don't understand things. They challenge Job and there's lots of things going on. But when you get to the very last chapter of the book of Job, Job chapter 42, God's upset with those three friends. And God tells Job, go sacrifice for your friends because they have not spoken what is right like you have. And so Job understood through all of that. Let me tell you about two people. And they both had major, major tragedies in their life. But they both had different paths in their life. One was a man by the name of Charles. He had a sweet little girl named Anna. And at age 12, Anna got sick. And Anna died. And according to what people say, that was the end of any faith that Charles had. He gave up. He devoted the rest of his life to research, to study, to naturalism, to proving that there is no God. He has led countless thousands and thousands and thousands of people down the road to evolution. His name was Charles Darwin. And the death of his daughter supposedly was the death of his faith. And how many people he has sown the seed of atheism because of that. There was another man 
living pretty close at the same time. He too had a child that died, died at 13, a smallpox. But this man had four other children, and they died tragically in a boat accident. But instead of blaming God, this man wrote a hymn. We know it as, it is well with my soul. And that hymn has encouraged and strengthened and encouraged countless believers all through the generations. Two men, both having hard tragedies. One gave up. One used it to help other people. And so what we want to see from this lesson this evening is we don't know all that's going to happen in our life. We don't know how things are going to turn out. Sometimes things are very, very hard and very difficult to us. And sometimes we look at that and make that be the reason I no longer am what I used to be. But we look at examples like Job. And through all he went through, he did not sin. He did not blame God. And he worshiped the Lord. And that should be encouragement to all of us. To remind ourselves, I just got to give God the best. Why? Because he is the best. All this trouble and all these things that happen, they're not from God. They're from the, the wicked devil. And to have the heart to simply follow God. And so this evening, we hope these lessons will remind us as we keep working through this series about bringing the best to understand that all God's asking is for you to be your best. And what God's wanting from you is understand, don't hide behind a tragedy. Don't give up because life has gone uphill for you. Don't be one who say, well, you know, I would do this, but, but I just not want to do that now because I just don't have the heart. Keep your heart. Keep giving the best. Because he is the best. We can talk to you. We love to do that. If you're ready to be baptized, this is a great time to do it. On a night like tonight, to say, God, I give you my life. I want to be baptized for remission of my sins. I want to walk with you. And maybe you're one who needs to hear this. Maybe among your life, you can say, you know what? I'm not like I used to be. That fire used to be hot for Jesus. I used to be so excited. And now there's just a little, little flicker. It's hardly even there. Maybe it's time to realize I need to give God my best. Won't you come as we stand, as we sing?